Hello, good morning. We are in a preach series at the moment called What Do You See? So I thought I would start today by asking you that exact question. So what do you see? I've got here a beaker and I've tried my best to get it to the halfway point of water so that I can ask you, what do you see? Do you see a glass that is half full or a glass that is half empty? And depending on your answer to that, what do you think that says about you? Don't you think it's interesting how we can look at exactly the same thing, but we can have a different perspective on it? We can see it completely differently. This morning, I'm talking and I'm speaking about how we see our circumstances. And I think it can be quite similar to the water in that we can look at the same thing. We can go through the same or similar circumstances, yet we can have very different perspectives on it. We can see completely different things. And, you know, there are so many things that can affect the way that we see something. For example, if we're feeling hungry or tired or miserable, that can make us see something in a negative way compared to whether we've got a full belly and had a good night's sleep the night before. Also, how long we have to go through something can affect our perspective on it, can affect how we see it. For example, I'm sure you've all heard about lockdown fatigue. Now, this is something that at the start of lockdown, people were really keen to follow the rules and were being really strict about it. Yet, as the days and weeks and even months went on, people started to get a little bit fed up and maybe weren't following the rules as strictly. And that's what it can be like sometimes when we have to go through circumstances for longer periods of time, our perspectives on it can change. Also, another thing that can affect how we see things is how those around us see our circumstances, particularly people who we admire or respect or people who are close to us. If they see a situation and react out of fear and maybe start panicking and worrying, then we can take on that perspective without even really thinking about it. But as, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we should make sure that above all of those things, we are trying to choose the same perspective that God has for our lives that we are looking at our circumstances in the same way that God looks at our circumstances. Because I believe that when we choose the perspective that God has, then we can rely on him, we can go to him for help, and we can see that actually there is a hope and a future in every circumstance that we go through. And I just wanna say at this point that this is far more than just having positive thinking or the power of a positive mental attitude. This is more than being an optimistic person or a glass half full person. You know, there may be some truth that positive thinking helps and that if we think good things, then we might be more, you know, actively looking for, for good things or we might be more confident so good things might happen more often. This is far more than that. 
This is about seeking out God's perspective for your life. And when we do that, we also see the God-given potential in each and every circumstance that we find ourselves in. So this morning, I've entitled this message, Pick Your Perspective, because I believe that we do have a choice how we see things. We might have an easy, natural response to something, but then we also have to think and we have to choose how we're going to see things, how we're going to respond. So I've got a few different scenarios, a few different maybe challenging situations that you might be faced with in life. And I'm going to ask you to pick your perspective. So the first perspective to pick is isolation or invitation. That's isolation or invitation. Now, we've all experienced isolation in some way over the last couple of months, whether that's being isolated from our communities, isolated from our extended families, isolated from our friends. Because of coronavirus, we have not been able to interact as we would normally do, and that can make us feel isolated. Although lockdown is easing to some extent, we're still feeling a little bit isolated. But even before coronavirus and even long after coronavirus, there are going to be times in life when we can feel isolated. Maybe seasons of singleness can make you feel isolated. Maybe having a family member or friend move out of the area or you moving to a different area might make you feel isolated. I've heard that having Small children can be quite an isolating time because you're not always able to socialise in the way that you would like to. And I've also heard that having older children, you know, who don't maybe need you anymore or who are flying the nest can make you feel quite isolated too. But also feeling isolated isn't always related to the people that we have in our house, to the number of people that we have in our lives. Feeling isolated sometimes can come as a result of going through some difficult struggles, some difficult battles, sometimes some quite personal things. Sometimes if we don't want to share the things that we're going through, that can make us feel quite isolated. Sometimes we can feel like we're the only person who's going through a particular battle at a time, and that can make us feel isolated. But this morning, I want to let you know that whatever the reason for you feeling isolated is, in that, Jesus offers you an invitation. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But, you know, I think Jesus knows what it's like to feel isolated. We can read about it in Matthew 4, when Jesus before he starts his ministry, he takes himself off into the desert, into the wilderness. He separates himself from, from everyone for 40 days and he spends that time praying and fasting. He spends that time alone. That must have been quite an isolating time. But I also think about other times in Jesus' life when he might have felt isolated. Particularly towards the end of his life, knowing that Judas was going to betray him must have felt isolating. Knowing that Peter, who was one of his closest friends, was going to deny him 
and pretend that he didn't know him must have felt pretty isolating. And on top of everything, having the the people who you'd come to serve, the society that you'd come to love and to teach and to, you know, to, to come in to just invest in, to have this society of people decide that they wanted to kill you and put you on a cross, that must have felt pretty isolating. So when we do feel isolated, we can take a bit of comfort in knowing that Jesus understands how we feel. Jesus has had similar feelings as well. And like I said before, in our times of isolation, there is always an invitation from Jesus. I love this scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. It says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Jesus talking. He says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That is a promise that Jesus makes, that he is always with us. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter whether we've got everything together or whether we're completely falling apart, Jesus is with us always. He's with you now. Wherever you are, he's with you now. He is with you always. And the invitation that he gives us is to get to know him more. We might see time on our own as a struggle. You might see isolation as a really difficult thing to get through. But in it, Jesus is with us and he is inviting us into deeper relationship with him, into closer friendship with him. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that he is always with us. Therefore, we can trust him and um, it's not a waste of time building that relationship because he's not going to go anywhere. We can really invest in our relationship and in our friendship with Jesus because he is never going to leave us. You know, in the desert, in the wilderness, Jesus spent that time trying to build on his relationship with God, trying to strengthen himself, fasting, praying, preparing himself for the season that he had ahead of him in his life. And we can have that same attitude too. When we're feeling isolated, we can decide to actually use that as a season of preparation for what God has in the next steps of our life. So you may be feeling isolated today, but know that Jesus is with you. You may be feeling isolated in the future, remember Jesus is with you and I just want to remind you as well that if you are feeling isolated please don't you know feel like you can't ask for help here at Breathe New Life you know we have lots of options available to you if you go to our website and there are links down below um, then you can reach out you can ask for help you can ask for support whether that's physically um, or whether that's spiritually and emotionally we are here for you so please do reach out and we can try and help you however we can we don't want you to feel isolated but just remember that in those times of isolation there is always an invitation Jesus is always inviting you into deeper relationship with him. So pick your perspective, isolation or invitation. The next perspective to pick is obstacles or opportunities. 
obstacles or opportunities. Now, I remember doing obstacle courses in school and I didn't really mind it because it seemed more fun to be doing that than to be sat behind a desk having to learn something. But I don't really understand the people who, as fully grown adults, choose to do obstacle courses for fun, um, particularly if it involves getting muddy or dirty or having to run in between i just don't understand that rob loves it my husband he's done a couple and he's really enjoyed it um but i just don't get it that some people find obstacle courses fun and you know fair enough it might be fun when you're choosing to do it but in life when obstacles come your way it's not always that fun obstacles come in all different shapes and sizes an obstacle is anything that blocks your way or prevents your progress. That can be so many things. That can be anything. Obstacle is anything that prevents your progress. That means obstacles could be things like ill health, things like financial struggles or not having provision to do what you need to do or what you want to do. An obstacle could be a difficult relationship, an obstacle could be yourself having self-doubt, that could be an obstacle to, to progressing and, and getting to where you want to be. But no matter what the obstacle is, I think it's a natural instinct for us all to react negatively, for us all to feel frustrated when obstacles come our way, for us all to feel like it's a bit of a blow when our progress is halted. But I think from what I see in the Bible and from some of the scriptures that I'm about to share now, actually, we're told the opposite. I've got two scriptures here. The first is James chapter one, verse two to five. And it's one of my favourite and least favourite verses all at the same time. And I think you'll understand why. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. When I face trials of any kind, my instinct is not joy. But here, James is pointing out we should consider it as joy because actually these things develop endurance within us. They strengthen us. Similarly, um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. There's that word again, rejoice, consider it joy. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops a strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We should rejoice when we face difficulties, when we face trials, when we face obstacles. We should see them as good things and not bad things because obstacles can be opportunities for us to grow in these things, to grow in endurance, to grow in strength, to grow in hope. Obstacles are tough, but they can develop us, they can help us, they can grow us. I 
love this quote. It's an African proverb and it might be because I've been watching Pirates of the Caribbean recently, but I love it. It says, smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. Smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. And I think that's true. And I think that's kind of the heart of these verses is that when challenges come our way, yes, it's tough, but it's developing us as people. It's developing our skills. It's developing our gifts. So when we see obstacles, we shouldn't be downhearted by them. We should see them as a challenge. We should see them as an opportunity to grow. But like I said a little bit earlier, obstacles can come in lots of different shapes and sizes. Sometimes they can seem quite small and things that we can maybe figure out quite simply. Other times obstacles can be like a big brick wall and there's no way that we can see past it. There's no way that we can get through it or get around it on our own. For those types of obstacles, I've got this scripture. It's John chapter 16, verse 33. And again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. There's no getting around it. We will have trouble. If Jesus is telling us we're going to have trouble, we're likely going to have trouble. And I think that's just a part of life. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This scripture is so encouraging because it means that there is no obstacle that you can face that Jesus hasn't already overcome. There's no battle you can go through, no challenge you can face, no trial you can come up against that is going to stop your progress, that is going to affect you and end you because Jesus has already overcome it. I just think that's so encouraging that we can rely on Jesus. Not only is he with us all the time, but he also strengthens us and he empowers us to do more than we can do on our own, to overcome the things that we couldn't overcome on our own. So we may see obstacles, but Jesus sees opportunities to guide us and to strengthen us. And that is our choice. That is the question. What are you going to pick? Are you going to pick obstacles or are you going to pick opportunities? So my third and final perspective for you to pick is great failures or good Fridays. Great failures or good Fridays. It might sound a bit odd, but hopefully um, I'll explain. I remember one time when I really felt like a failure. Um, doing my driving test the first time, I felt really confident actually driving. And when I pulled back into the test centre, I thought that I thought it was in the bag. And I was really surprised uh, to hear the examiner say, I'm sorry, but you failed your test. And I just remember that heart sinking feeling and not being able to listen to anything else that he said, because I just had that word failed in my mind. And, you know, I think as, as humans, we are hardwired to want success and to want to succeed at everything. And I think it's strange how we have such a fear of failure when the truth is that actually we have all failed. Not one of us has got so far in life without having any failures at all. And I know that's true because it's in the Bible as well. In Romans chapter three, verse 23, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
all have sinned. Every single one of us has sinned and therefore fallen short of the glory of God. We failed to achieve God's standard of perfection. And it can be easy to let ourselves take on that label of failure. It can be easy to let our thinking change from, oh, I failed to, I am a failure. And it becomes a part of who we are. But one way that I found really helpful um, to try and process failure and to think about failure is thinking about Good Friday. Because when I think about Good Friday, I think about what a failure that must have looked like to the people who were there at the time. I think about the disciples and how they had given up everything to follow Jesus, how they had thought that he was the saviour of the world, that he was the Messiah. And then to see him die and put in a tomb, that must have looked like such a failure. But we look at that knowing that there's a bigger picture knowing that two days later he rose from the grave and he overcame death and he is the saviour of the world. We know that Good Friday wasn't the end and that's the same for us. Our failures are not the end. Because Jesus died and rose again because he overcame sin, because he overcame death. That means that we don't have to live as failures with the consequences of the things that we do wrong and the sins that we have in our life and the things that we mess up. We don't have to live with those, but instead we can live in freedom. Because of Jesus' death on that cross, God doesn't look at you and see a failure. He looks at you and sees a saint. He sees a holy person. He sees his son or his daughter. He looks at you through the eyes of the cross. He looks at you through what Jesus did on that cross. And that is the choice that you have. Do you see your failings as it, as your label, as who you are? Or do you see your failings in the light of what Jesus did on that cross, in the light that actually you don't have to live with that label, but you can live in freedom. God does not see you as a failure. He sees you through what Jesus did on Good Friday. And that's a perspective that we can pick and we can choose for ourselves too. So those are a few circumstances, a few things um, where I believe picking your perspective makes a huge difference. And I just wanted to leave you with this quote from Stephen Furtick, I think it's so true. He says, your perspective will either become your prison or your passport. Your perspective will either become your prison or your passport. And I can see that completely. I can see how if you have a hopeless, negative, victim mindset that that can keep you captive it can keep you from progressing it can keep you stuck whereas if you have a jesus-centered perspective if you have a hopeful perspective and you see your circumstances how god sees them then that can bring freedom it's that passport to a hope and a future so my challenge for you is we often ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? But my challenge 
for you is to ask yourself, what does Jesus see in this scenario that I'm going through, in this circumstance that I'm facing, in this struggle, in this challenge? What does Jesus see? What does Jesus want to show me? Where does Jesus want me to grow? What opportunities has he got for me? How does he see me in this? Because when we lift our eyes to Jesus, we see beyond the physical circumstances of the things that we go through. And we see into the journey of growth, into the journey of hope, and into the journey of salvation that he has for each and every one of us. So I want to finish just by praying for you. God, I thank you that you love each one of us. Jesus, I thank you that you died for our sins. Jesus, that you died for our failures, meaning that we didn't have to live with that label any longer. Jesus, I thank you that you are with us. And I thank you that you help us to overcome the obstacles that we face in life. Would you help us to trust you and help us to seek out your perspective on the things that we face in life and help us to choose to do life with you, knowing that you are our strength, you are our guide, you are our saviour. In Jesus' name, amen.